Hey everyone, welcome to week seven of our series in Mark, The Cross and the Crown. It's been really good and we've dove into a lot. Week seven, that's a lot of weeks uh, in one sermon series, but it's been really good and it's been really cool to walk through the book of Mark and see what kind of subjects it gives us, right? We're not having to go to the table and hand select some of these different things that we want to talk about, but the cool thing about doing a book study and walking through Mark over the last several weeks has just been, man, this is what Mark says and this is what we're going to tackle and it's been really good. And last week, if you were with us, uh, you saw this reality, you saw this reminder that um, when we look at the, the kingdom and we look at what our role is in light of the kingdom, we saw that our role um, is to serve, our role is to suffer, and our role is to know that, man, we want to desire the good, the good things for other people. But what that does is it puts us on the back burner. The reality of a life lived in the new kingdom means it's a selfless, sacrificial life lived on behalf of other people in behalf of Jesus because of what he's done, right? That is the incentive. It doesn't make a lot of sense to do those things unless there's some incentive, unless there's a reason we do those things, and it's Jesus that compels us to do those things like we saw last week. He is our victory, and our victory is already secured. But the reality is we also been talking about this tension between the already and the not yet, right? The, the old kingdom and the new kingdom. And we're kind of living somewhere in between those things like we've talked about uh, the last several weeks. And so at this point, I think the question that's looming for a lot of us is, okay, I, I really want to know as I live in the middle of these two things, in the middle of these two realities, when does the not yet become the right now? I'm ready for that not yet, and it's been a long time, but I'm ready to know when does that not yet become the right now? When do I start to experience the reality of those things? And if you've been with us, you realize that some of the things we've been talking about with the already but not yet are uh, the old test, the old uh, kingdom is still here in those those sinful things and those those things that happen to the earth that aren't good. We're still living with the reality of having to deal with those things. But when Jesus entered the picture, it also ushered in the new kingdom. Right, and so now uh, we've got all we've got this Jesus guy who's come to redeem us from all these things, and we know that there's a future tense where we don't have to deal with those things, and we get to experience Jesus in the here and now. And so we have the repercussions from the old kingdom, but the but the blessings more or less of knowing Jesus and, and knowing who He is right now as the new kingdom is ushered in. Let me give you uh, maybe a practical example of of what this looks like. Right, uh, as I was wading through this and I was thinking about this, I was thinking to myself, you know. This is kind of like pregnancy. Pregnancy is similar uh, with the already but not yet. My wife, Katie, if you haven't met her, uh, 10 out of 10 recommend. Um, she's incredible, makes me look like garbage, uh, but that's the reality of marrying up, right? That's just how it goes. Um, she's awesome, but she's 22 weeks pregnant right now. And so as, as a pregnant woman and as a uh, father and a husband to a pregnant woman, I'm living with kind of that reality of the already but not yet. That's already our daughter. Katie and I unashamedly believe um, that that is already a life. That is already someone, something valuable um, that's got a, a heartbeat and is a, a, a life, something that we can, we can look at and say, yes, absolutely, that is a human being in there. But there are benefits that we don't yet get to experience from having our daughter, right? Our daughter is still in Katie's belly, and so there are things that we don't uh, get to experience, right? We don't get to hold her yet. We don't get to smile at her yet. We don't get to teach her things yet. It's tax season. We don't get to claim her as a dependent yet. I'm just kidding, but there's a little tax season joke for you. By the way, also a reminder, it's been pushed back several times, so if you haven't done them yet, go ahead and get those taxes in. Um, but those are some things that we haven't gotten to experience yet, although she's already our daughter. And so we haven't experienced the fullness of knowing her as our daughter, 
and experiencing her as our daughter, but Katie is very much carrying our daughter. And so that's kind of that's kind of how it feels when we navigate this old kingdom and this new kingdom, right? Like, okay, I see it. I see the new kingdom being ushered in, but I haven't really got to experience that yet. And, and I just think that's a great picture of that. I think it's a great picture of what that's going to look like because uh, even in the text today, we're going to see... Uh, the author mentions birth pains, and Jesus talks about birth pains, and that's going to be uh, an interesting thing, an interesting analogy as I compare that to what we're about to read in the text, but we do have a lot of text today. Um, I'll warn you on the front end, there is 37 verses that we're going to walk through, but uh, the good news for me and the good news for you watching is that this is a topic that a lot of people want to lean into because what we're about to talk about is uh, the not yet. We're about to finally get a glimpse of what the not yet looks like. And maybe not in the sense that uh, you're going to see it and you're going to see what the other side looks like, but today we're going to look at what the last steps of the not yet look like. And so it's going to be really cool. Uh, hopefully you'll be really engaged because the text itself is, is really engaging and I'm excited to kind of dive into it. But if you have your Bibles, uh, where we're going to be spending most of our time today is in Mark chapter 13. If you don't have your Bibles, that's okay. The beauty about online is it's going to be right here on the screen next to me, so you'll be able to follow along with us right there on your phone, laptop, wherever, without having to juggle another tablet uh, or a hard copy of your Bible if you don't have one. So, Mark chapter 13, let's just dive right in. Uh, I'm going to read this first section, verses 1 through 8, and we're going to kind of unpack it and see what's going on as Jesus is talking to his disciples. So, here we go, verse 1. As he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said, to him, look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, okay, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name saying, I am he. They will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, don't be alarmed. This must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of, there it is, the birth pains. These are the beginning of the birth pains. That's a weird passage, but I think the gist, and we're going to go back and break it down, that section, but the gist of what I think Jesus is trying to say after, after we lay the foundation here is that deception is coming. When we look at what the already but not yet is going to look like, the end of that not yet, the culmination of that not yet, deception is going to play a role in that. So let's kind of go back through these verses and look real quick, and I'll kind of help unpack some of these things, right? He says, he came out of the temple, and one of his disciples said, look, teacher, what wonderful stones, what wonderful buildings, right? This is really cool. This isn't just like some nice building they erected. This isn't just some nice thing that they put up for their people to look at. But when you look at the temple, and the, that, that old temple they're talking about, the ones the disciples are looking at, um, it's beautiful. It's laced with gold. In fact, I was reading one of these commentaries, and they said it shines so brightly that the people who are in the city, as they walk up to it, they really can't look at it because when the sun hits it, it shines bright white, and their eyes start to hurt. Right? You ever been outside or go from like a dark room transition to outside and it's super bright? It's like that, but all the time when the sun's out. So much so that this is crazy, um, that people traveling far off who would look over would be able to see this temple as just like this glimmering light. So when they say this is a beautiful thing, they mean, wow, this is unbelievable. This building is so cool. And so Jesus says back to him, hey, do you see these buildings? 
This building that you think is magnificent, this building that you think is incredible, by the way, not one of these stones on this building will be left one on top of another. And I was talking to one of our buddies on staff this week as we're kind of getting ready. Uh, Austin, he's preaching a live book this week, and he was like, man, I was doing some research on this, and this is crazy. Check this out. When this fire happened and this temple started to get burned down, they realized that all this gold that was laced started to leak into the stones. And so what they did was they took one stone and moved it apart one, one at a time so that they could make sure they're not leaving any gold on the table. And so Jesus says, hey, this is what's about to happen. And then when this is destroyed in AD 70, just a few years later, it's literally exactly what happened. That's crazy. So that's kind of laying the foundation. This is what they're doing. This is what they're talking about. And in the disciples' head, they're thinking, man, this is our place. We are so proud of this building. We are so proud of this place where we come to worship. And they have no idea um, that just a short time later, it's the people that occupy that building that are be going to be coming after their friend Jesus, their Messiah Jesus, and them. It's crazy. The whole story is uncrazy as it unfolds. We'll look at the next little uh, chunk here. He says, he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple. Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, they asked him privately, hey, tell us when these things will be, and, and tell us the sign of when these things are going to be uh, accomplished. And this is fascinating because they kind of just have this conversation a few chapters before, and they almost forget. It's almost like they realize, I forgot to ask the question. I forgot to ask when these things will be. I, I, you kind of unpack some of that, Jesus, but I never asked when these things are going to happen. And so this is Jesus' answer in this next and last section. And it's pretty fascinating because they want to know when's it going to be, what's it going to look like, and this is how Jesus answers. He began to say to them, see that no one leads you astray. Hey, Jesus, what's it going to look like? When's it going to be? And Jesus' response is, hey, here's what it's not going to look like. See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name saying, I am he. And they'll lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, don't be alarmed. These things must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There'll be earthquakes in various places. There'll be famines. And these are all but the beginning of the birth pains. And so Jesus is saying, hey, you don't necessarily need to know what to look out for. What you need to know is what, what, what is not right, what not to look out for, right? You need to be able to say, hey, that is legitimate, that is illegitimate, and be able to distinguish between the two. Uh, and it's fascinating because as we kind of move through this conversation today, we're going to see why I think he points those things out. But it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating concept uh, that he unpacks as he walks them through and says, hey, look, the reality is wars happen. Not every war is going to be that moment where you realize, oh, this is the end of the world, and, and famines are going to happen. Not every famine is going to be the one, oh, this is it, this is when Jesus is coming back, and not every natural disaster like an earthquake is going to be the one that we look up and say, oh, this is it, this is when he's coming back. Jesus says, no, no, these things are all necessary, and these things are all going to happen, uh, but what's going to happen is one day these things are going to mark the beginning of what we call birth pains, labor pains. And, and we'll kind of walk through that as we, as we keep going. But it's a fascinating concept, right? Because when you look at labor, and as someone who has dealt with labor one time or watched my wife deal with labor, I'm taking zero credit for the labor process. Uh, shout out to you women. You are amazing, moms. Um, but it's fascinating because the worst part of that process happens right before we see that process come to fruition. So it's pretty interesting that he says that. Uh, but we'll dive right into the next section. That section, deception is coming Jesus' whole point, hey, you need to know what is legitimate and what is not legitimate. And then he dives right into the next part of the conversation, and he says, uh, says this, but be on your guard because of the deception. For when they will deliver you over uh, to councils, and you'll be beaten in the synagogues, and you'll stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them, and the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, don't be anxious beforehand for what you're about to say. 
But say whatever is given to you in that hour. It is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit and brother will deliver brother over to death. And the father, his child, and children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Man, this section, Jesus is saying, hey, persecution is coming. Persecution is the thing that we're going to need to deal with here. Persecution is a reality that's about to happen, uh, and it's a reality that we're not going to be able to get away from. And so let's look back through um, these things again, going back to that verse 9. But be on your guard, for they'll deliver you over to council, and you'll be beaten in the synagogues, and you'll stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them, and the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And so he's saying, hey guys, be ready. Be on your guard, right? Like we talked about uh, this past week. Hey, there's going to be things that you need to stand for unashamedly because of who I am and what you believe about me. So be on your guard because what's about to happen in those beautiful synagogues that you just talked about, because remember, they're looking across now, and they're looking at this temple that they were just talking up and they were just excited about, and Jesus is saying, hey, they're going to deliver you over, and those same synagogues that you think are beautiful are the ones uh, that we're going to be mistreated right around. And, and it's crazy because at the end of the day, you're going to have to persevere. And then he says this in the next, the next couple of verses. They're going to bring you to trial. They're going to deliver you over. But don't be anxious because here's the beautiful thing about this entire process. is In the middle of the persecution, I haven't left you. In the middle of the persecution, uh, the Holy Spirit, the Helper, is still going to be there walking alongside you. And brother... Uh, will deliver brother over to death, and, and father and sh fathers will do that to children, and it's all going to be because they dig their heels in and they decide to side with me. But don't be anxious and don't be nervous because this is part of what happens whenever the world sees a Jesus they don't love. Persecution is a natural byproduct of that. And that's a great, that's a great point that I want to distinguish because we're about to jump into uh, tribulation away from persecution, but I want to make sure we're clear. Persecution is from the world, and tribulation is from God. Persecution is from the people outside looking and saying, I don't like what I'm seeing right now. Tribulation is not that. Those are two separate things. So persecution is coming. Don't be anxious. And here we go, the next section. We're kind of rolling through this, and it's fascinating uh, because Jesus is having this conversation. Uh, and remember, the disciples have just asked two questions at this point, and then he starts to unpack all this, right? Last week, we talked about how gracious it was of Jesus to keep the conversation going instead of saying, what is it that you guys are not getting? And so Jesus is still graciously having the conversation. And this is what he says uh, in the next verse, verse 14. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down, nor enter his house to take anything out. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women uh, who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days. Pray that it may not happen in the winter, for in those days there will be such tribulation as has not been from the beginning of the creation that God created until now and never will be. Man. And if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chooses, he shortened the days. And if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or look, there he is, don't believe it, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But be on guard, I have told you all these things beforehand. But be on guard, I have told you all these things beforehand. Jesus is saying, hey, look, 
I am giving you a heads up. You asked the wrong question. I'm telling you how to look for the right answer to the right question. And, and I'm giving you the heads up because it's about to get wild. It's about to get weird for you. And it does, right? In AD 70, that temple uh, gets torn down that Jesus was talking about. But I don't think that's just for them. I think it was for the here and now and the here and now for us because every generation is going to face persecution. Every generation is going to deal with the realities of sin and with the realities of some of these tribulations because tribulation is coming. There is going to be a moment, there is going to be a season uh, where these things do start to culminate and we do start to see uh, these things flesh out as this process unfolds. And so let's go back and we'll kind of look at those, those again. So he says, but when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be, right? When the first time I read this, I was like, is that like a, like a villain out of a superhero movie, the abomination of desolation? That sounds crazy. Um, and there's actually several... Um, interpretations of what that is. Some people think it's an idol that's placed in the temple. Other people think um, that is the actual Antichrist coming. Um, but it's, it's so ambi ambigu ambiguous, sorry, um, and it's going to catch them off guard so much so that Mark makes a point to put in his notes, hey, let the reader understand. This is going to be a big deal, and maybe not so much focusing on the person, but the moment he says, this is going to be a big deal because here's what's going to happen. People are going to flee to the mountains. Those, those people who are pursuing Christ, they're going to flee to the mountains and let the ones in the housetop not go down nor enter his house to take anything out and let him get going. Leave the field, leave his cloak, not look back, and we'll keep going. And alas, for women who are pregnant and those who are, in the nursing, who are nursing infants in those days, pray that it's not going to happen in the wintertime because it's going to be bad. And for those... Uh, for in those days there'll be such tribulation as has not been from the beginning of creation that God created until now and never will be. And so the point that he's trying to get across is this is fixing to be really bad. This is fixing to be really intense, so much so that when you see this, pray that it doesn't happen in the wintertime, right? Because it's going to be nasty and it's going to be something you don't want to deal with. You don't want to deal with all this running and fleeing. So much so that it's going to be tough for those of you with children to get out fast enough because of your children holding you back. He's saying flee, go, get. That's how intense this is going to be. And then the last little section there. If the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved. And so he's saying, man, the, the Lord was gracious to even cut these days of tribulation short. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days then if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or look, there he is, don't believe it. There's that deception again. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect God's people. But be on guard because I've told you these things. I've warned you about these things, so be on guard. That's so big for us, right? Like when we look at the text, and, and so often we have this conversation, and honestly, part of the reason we're having this conversation today is because I feel like oftentimes we ask questions we really want answers to, and when we don't get those answers by looking ourselves or by digging into God's word, the source of those answers, it's a lot easier to go to social media, it's a lot easier to go to news outlets, easier to go to the guy that seems like he has it all figured out instead of having the conversation and saying, hey, no, what does this actually look like? What am I actually looking at here? What does this conversation actually look like when it's fleshed out? And so um, pretty, pretty fascinating that he says, I've told you all these things beforehand to them, just like we have the luxury of when we look at his text and we look at what his word has to say about these topics. But be on guard because tribulation is coming. That's what he's telling them. That's what he's telling us. Be on guard. Be on the lookout. Be ready for when these things start to unfold. And then uh, the next section after that, he goes in and he continues the conversation. In those days, after the tribulations, now we're post-tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven. 
and the powers in the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. Man, this is crazy, right? So he's saying post-tribulation, here's what it's going to look like. It's going to look like the sun gets darkened, the stars start falling from the heaven, the powers in heaven will be shaken, and they'll see the Son of Man coming in the clouds, and he'll send out the angels to get his elect. That's a crazy scene, and I don't want you to get lost up in the scene because here's the main point. Here's the gist of what's going on here. Here's the thing that I want, I think Jesus wants us to take away from this, and here's the thing that I hope you take away from this, is that Jesus is coming to get his people. The tribulation is going to happen, yes, but Jesus is coming to get the people that he's in a relationship with, that he loves, that love him, um, because he does not want to leave them. He does not want to see them suffer. That's the whole point of the gospel, that you could enter that relationship with him and that you could be with him forever, and he has not forgotten that. So be hopeful, just like Jesus is encouraging those people to be hopeful, because he's coming for his people. He's trying to encourage the disciples, hey, be hopeful. Jesus is coming. I am coming back to do away with all these things. And then so he kind of pivots to the last section. This is the longest section as we kind of navigate this. And then we're going to kind of see, okay, Jesus, I see the conversation unfold, but like, What's the main point? So after we get through the section, I think we're going to kind of see Jesus' main point as he usually does, right? He likes to kind of set the stage, kind of get you leaning one way and redirect you and say, no, this is actually the point. We've been missing the point the whole time. And so let's check these last couple of verses out. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer's near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, crazy, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And when I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. We'll go back through and we're going to look at these, but this is the, this, those two words at the end, those are the two words that I want you to, to lean into because he's saying we need to be ready because Jesus is coming. We don't know when, but we need to be ready. That's the point of the conversation he's having. He's saying, hey, you don't need to know when. You don't need to know what it looks like. What you need to know is that that day is coming, and you don't know when it is, and your job is not to know what it is. Your job is to make sure that when that day comes, you are ready. And, and the, the cool thing about that is, right, like these things are not written to help us predict the future, but these things are, are, are to help us prepare to live faithfully, right? These things aren't written to help you know what's coming next, but these things are very much there to help you know what it looks like to walk with Jesus in the middle of all these hard things, in the middle of all these trials, in the middle of all these uncertainties that we're not sure how to navigate. That's the point. The point is that you don't need to know what the future looks like, but you need to know how to prepare to live faithfully as it comes. One of the pastors that we've been looking at and, and kind of using his content from throughout this entire sermon series, Danny Aiken, this is what he's got to say on the topic. He said, as we examine these verses, we don't find Jesus encouraging us to set the dates or identify the Antichrist, false prophet or the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Rather, 
he admonishes us to be on guard and stay awake. No one but God knows when the time or when the end will come. However, in light of the fact the end will come and it will come suddenly, we must remain constantly faithful in our service to our master. It won't be easy, but it will be worth it when we see Jesus. Man, it will be worth it when we see Jesus. If we have persevered, if we have lived faithfully, if we have made sure that these things that we see every day that take our attention and take our hearts and take our minds away from Jesus, if we can leave those things aside and just lock in on the person of Jesus and what he's done for us, then, then it will be worth it because that is what Jesus wants from us. He's trying to urge us and tell us and his disciples in this moment, there are far better things coming than that temple. There are far better things coming than the things that you're able to see with your own eyes. And the biggest of those things is a relationship with me, a relationship with the God of the universe that loves you and adores you and wants to have that relationship with you. That is when it'll be worth it. And so right now, in the here and now, when you, when you deal with deception, when you deal with persecution, when you deal with tribulation, it's not going to be easy. Those things are going to be hard, but they will be worth it. And that's our takeaway today. None of this is easy, but it will be worth it. None of, none of what we deal with is easy, right? If it was easy, then we wouldn't see the thing that Chip pointed out last week. We wouldn't see divorce rates be the same. We wouldn't see sickness and health be a thing that's in jeopardy. But, but if it was easy, then we would all do it. If it was easy, then we wouldn't have this urge from Jesus, but we do because the reality is he understands it's not going to be easy, but... Stay awake. It will be worth it because I am coming back for my people. It's like that pregnancy example uh, with my wife that I used in the beginning of all this. For her, I'm sure if she were sitting here next to me today, she would tell you, these labor pains, they're not easy. But if you ask her less than 10 seconds on the other side of that process, was it worth it? She would look you in the face and say, I can't believe you're asking me the question. Absolutely, it was worth it. In the same way, how much greater to be united with the God that loves you it is going to be worth it. And so maybe that's something you, you've been chewing on. In the last couple of messages, we've talked about what your role is in the new kingdom. This has been something you've kind of wrestled with and you're not really sure what it looks like to stay ready and you're not really sure what it looks like to live selflessly like we talked about last week for Jesus. We would love to have that conversation. Um, you're gonna see me do the welcome and earlier before this service and one of the things that I'm gonna tell you uh, or have told you already is that we have people who are dying to pray with you right now and dying and would love to have the conversation with you right now because that's why we're here every Sunday. That's why we jump online because we want to have those conversations, answer those questions, and watch you love Jesus more than you do when you came into the conversation. So I'm going to pray for us, but know that that option's there and we love when you utilize it. Um, and if you don't feel like doing that and you'd rather just sit down and say, hey, no, I'd rather have coffee with somebody and take this conversation face-to-face, -face, we would love to do that too. Um, I'll drop a link right now to that Get Connected card and you can fill that out and It'll take you to a card where you can fill it out. It'll kick it over, and one of our pastors will get with you, and we'd love to sit down and have a conversation with you face-to-face -face as well. So I'm going to pray for us, uh, and that's going to kind of wrap it up for us today. Jesus, thank you so much um, that it is worth it, that it is worth it to persevere, that you have told us what it's going to look like. You've told us the questions that need answers and the questions that don't, uh, and your main point to us is that we need to stay ready. And so I pray that you would help us stay ready and be encouraged to stay ready because one day um, we're not going to have to be ready. We're just going to be with you and that's going to be a beautiful thing. We love you and we praise you and we're so grateful for you. In Jesus' name, amen.